All right. Good morning. That that uh, stool felt really wobbly. I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to fall down when I sat on that. Hey, we're glad that you're here this morning. I want to start with a question. I wonder if you ever start your day like I start my day. Every once in a while, I'll wake up and I say, okay, God, today is going to be different. Man, I'm going to have this abiding joy in my heart. Man, God, today I'm going to love other people recklessly. God, today I'm going to see you overcome the temptations in my life. Man, God, today is going to be different because I'll experience the life that you promised, that Jesus promised that we could have this abundant life that's found in you. Today's the day, God. And then 15 minutes later, you take another snapshot and you're yelling at your kids or you're yelling at the person cutting you off in traffic. Anybody else? And it happens to me more than I'd like to admit it. You know, we've been studying for these last 30 days about the life of Christ and that that Jesus came to give us life, this forever life that we just sang about. He wants us to have a relationship with Him that brings us eternal life. But He also wants so much more than that. He wants us to experience an abundant life with Him right here and right now. And if we're gut level honest this morning, there's a huge, oftentimes a huge disconnect between the life that God and Jesus have promised us and the lifestyle that we actually live. I mean, it happens to all of us at times. It happens to a new believer. I've seen this over and over again. You get saved. You have a relationship with God. You might get baptized. You're on a high. Nothing can go wrong. Sin can't touch you. The devil is nothing. And then you crash. And you lose all the hope and all the joy. It happens oftentimes to a Christ follower who just can't seem to find contentment or can't seem to break free from uh, the sins or the temptations that seem to be weighing them down. I've seen this happen to seasoned Christians who, who may know lots of Bible and know how to navigate the life inside a church and say all the right things, but there's very little fruit Making very little difference for Christ in the world. And if we're just gut level honest, the word I keep coming back to is the Christian life can be frustrating. It can be very frustrating. Because it's supposed to be something, and yet my experience is not always meeting that something. And I know that it's frustrating. I believe lots of Christians, people that say, I follow Christ, they're living in frustration. The reason I know that to be true is that was my experience the first two years I was a believer in Christ. And I can tell you this, I would come to church and I would spend part of my time telling God I was sorry and confessing all the sin I had done the week before. And that took a while. And then I would say, okay, but God, this week is going to be different. Kind of like what I just said, this today is going to be different. This week's going to be different. This week I'm going to see you do great things in my life. I'm going to please you this this week. And for two years I wallowed in that. Uh, shame. And I'll be honest with you, the teaching that we're going to share with you this morning, if I don't connect with it on a daily basis, I still find myself living in frustration. When I miss this, we've been talking about all the great I am statements of Christ, that he is the good shepherd, that he is the way and the truth and the life, that he is the bread of life. Well, this morning's teaching, when we get a handle on what Jesus says he is to us in the here and now, in this teaching, 
it can, it has the potential to radically change our lives. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to look at John chapter 15 with me. John chapter 15, we're going to look at several passages in this chapter. And look, as we're, as you're turning there, I want to set the scene. It is the night before Jesus Christ is crucified. It's the night of his arrest. And he just has the, the, the last supper with his disciples. And they're in Jerusalem. And they get done with the feet washing and the, the dinner and all that. They get up and they leave there. They're headed to the Mount of Olives where he is arrested and where he prays. You remember? And on the way there, they would head out the east gate of Jerusalem. They would head down the Kidron Valley. And in that valley, they would be surrounded by vineyards. Little vines of, of grapes everywhere. And this is what Jesus says. I believe it's, I believe they stopped right there at that place. And this is where Jesus taught this. He says, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that will be even more fruitful. So the metaphor is pretty clear. It's pretty simple. God, the Father, is this gardener overseeing this vineyard. And Jesus himself says, I am the vine. I am the life-giving source in the vine. And you, my disciples, are the branches coming off that vine. Isn't that a beautiful picture? And the truth is simply, and it's like this. If you want to live a fruitful, abundant life, the life that we all believed when we signed up to a relationship with God, the life we thought we would have, that life is found by staying connected to Christ himself. That's what that means. And though it's simple to understand, it's often hard to practice. The opposite is also true. If a branch were to get disconnected, from the vine. If it were to be torn off or damaged or somehow not connected to the vine, then it would what? Wither up and die. And guys, why do we think that if we don't stay connected to Christ in an intimate relationship with Him, why our lives wouldn't also wither up and die? And so Jesus says, I'm the vine. I'm the source. I'm the source of life. I'm the source of nourishment. Everything you need is found by staying connected to me. In fact, if you got your fill-in-the-blank fix here, I'll just go ahead and tell you, staying connected to Jesus will turn your frustration into fruitfulness. Staying connected to Him will turn your frustrations into fruitfulness. See, He causes that new believer that experiences this emotional high and then the real life and the real world settles back in. He causes that person to stay the course and stay connected. If He's connected, He'll cause him to bear fruit and find joy. He'll cause the believer that doesn't have contentment, that doesn't have a victory over sin, He can cause that person to find both of those things by staying connected to Him. He can cause the seasoned believer that's saying, I wish I had more to show for it. When I get to heaven, I wish there was more that I did for the kingdom of God. He can cause that person to bear much fruit if they stay connected. Now, he says some pretty interesting things here in this passage we just read. So let me break it down a second. First of all, he talks about those that have no fruit. Did you notice that? No fruit. He says, um, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Now that sounds harsh, doesn't it? That he would cut off someone that bears no fruit. Now, I, most of the translation, in fact, 99.9% of your Bible, I believe, was translated amazingly well. 
In fact, probably higher than that. But this is one of the few instances I've ever found that I think maybe the English translation doesn't have it exactly right. Because the original language, that word that that's means to cut off, actually also could easily, just as easily be translated, to raise up. To raise up and clean off. And I don't know if you've ever driven by Chateau Alon and paid much attention. But when they're growing vines, they are raised up off the ground and put along those uh, the woodwork in order to cause it to grow. Now, I believe this is the right translation for this verse for a couple reasons. One is, it simply fits the practice of a vineyard. If you had a vine that you had planted and that you had nurtured and you had cultivated and it wasn't growing, you wouldn't cut it up. You would raise it up, clean it off, and give it every opportunity to what? Bear fruit. That's why it's there. You want it to bear fruit. I also believe it fits the context because in verse 3 we're going to see, Jesus tells his disciples, you are already clean because of the words I have spoken to you. Why would he say I am already clean if he wasn't talking about being cleaned in the first place? Thirdly, I believe it fits the nature of God. God is not looking for you and I to mess up, screw up, so he can cut us off. He is looking to raise us up, clean us off, so that if we're not bearing the fruit he wants us to bear, he gives us every opportunity. To do so. Now. That's good news. Because when you and I face frustrations. When we're living without contentment. When we're struggling in sin. When we're not making a difference for God. When we live in guilt and shame. Here's the good news. God doesn't want to cut you off. He wants to lift you up. Clean you off. So that you can bear fruit for him. Isn't that good? God wants you to bear fruit. He wants the abundant life for you. Now, he also talks about someone that bears some fruit. He says, um, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Do you see that word? He prunes so that they will be even more fruitful. So what God is saying is, and those of you that are connected to me and you have some fruit in your life, there's some difference that God's making in your life. He wants you to be even more fruitful so he will cut away. You know, that's what pruning means, right? You prune your garden, you prune your trees. He'll cut away the dead stuff, the stuff that's going to prevent more growth. He'll cut that away so you can be even more fruitful. I can promise you this. There'll be times in your spiritual journey that God will lift you and clean you. And there'll also be times in your journey with God that he will actually cut on you. He will cut away the things that are inhibiting you. He will cut away the things in my life and your life that are preventing more fruit and more abundant life. He'll cut those away so all that remains is him. It destroys an assumption that we have. We're Americans. We believe that if things are going well, if if I'm doing, if everything's going okay, that means God is blessing me and I'm doing okay. That's the assumption you and I most of the time live with. If my money's okay and there's no major crisis in my life and everybody's healthy, then we are living under the blessing of God. Don't we assume that to be true? But what Jesus says here is sometimes you'll be right in the middle of where God wants you. You'll be doing exactly where he wants you to be. And he will start cutting on you. And that cutting is painful and it's hard. But you are right where he wants you. Because he prunes the branches so they be more fruitful. 
He doesn't stop there. Keep reading with me. John 15, starting in verse 3 then. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I don't know if you noticed this, but five times, there's five times in this passage, Jesus says the same word. He says, remain. Remain in me. Remain. The other translations say abide. It's the idea of a constant communion, a constant closeness. There's an availability. You're available to God and he's available to you. That this is just something that we do on Sunday or something I do when I'm in trouble. That there is a relationship that is ongoing in my life. And so he says to remain. Now, this is a Jewish technique. If you wanted to make a point, you would repeat it over and over again. It's also a point mamas make. Mamas use the same technique. Uh, my, I hear my wife all the time. Where's your lunch? Don't forget your lunch. Do you have your lunch? Here. Here's your lunch. <laughs> we do it over and over. Don't miss this. Don't forget your lunch. I don't want to drive to the school and bring you your lunch. I don't. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm about to leave. I'm about to be crucified. You're going to watch me get beaten. And I'm going to no longer be here. And so I need you to understand something. You're going to have to abide in me and remain in me and stay close to me. And I'm not going to be here. You're not going to be able to touch me anymore. You're not going to be able to see me physically anymore. You're not going to be able to to smell me. I won't be present among you. But you can still remain in me. Don't miss this. In fact... In John 14, he says, I go and prepare a place for you. He, he warned him right before this passage, I'm leaving. But then he says later in John 14, he says, and it's good that I'm leaving because I can send you the counselor, the Holy Spirit, and he will be with you and he will be among you. And I won't be, it won't be in one location that he'll be in all locations and everywhere that there's someone that follows me, I'll be present through the person of my Holy Spirit. It's good that I go because he's going to come. And when he comes, you can be close to me all the time, everywhere, no matter what. Whoa. That's some plan. That's an amazing promise. That anyone who's started a relationship with Jesus Christ, the moment they trust Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, that the Holy Spirit of God, the person, the third person, the Trinity, comes and takes up residence inside of your life. And He's with you forevermore. That wasn't just a promise to the disciples in John 15. That's a promise to each one of us that the moment you believed, the person of God took up residence in your life and in your heart. He's there to sustain us, to renew us, to give us life. All these things that we think, if I work harder and I try harder, then finally I'm really going to feel good about my relationship with God. Fooey on that. He's there to give you that simply by staying connected to Him. To listening to Him. To asking for His help. To acknowledging that He's with you. And because He's with you, His power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, is available to your life every moment of the day.
Whoa. The power that put the stars in the sky is your power in your life. The power that keeps this world spinning and everything going, that same power is available to you and me through the person of the Holy Spirit. And that's why Jesus says, abide in me. You know, this destroys another assumption you have and I have. It's an assumption that we believe that situations and events and the people in our life will dictate my level of frustration or my level of fruitfulness. I, I don't see Jesus mentioning any of those things here. Do you? He didn't say anything about what you're going through or who you got to put up with or what the situation is or you don't know what's coming or you don't know what I've been through. He doesn't mention any of that, does he? He says one word, if. If, did you see that? If you remain in me. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. So we have to learn to rely on Jesus, not just for salvation someday, not just for the big things in life. We've got to learn to rely on Jesus for the minutiae, the little things, the little attitudes, the little actions, the little words, the every single thing. We can rely on him for all of that. Tell me, how much of the branch does the, uh, how much does the branch do for itself? Zero. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't be kind to your spouse. You can't not yell at the guy cutting you off on the road. You can't, you can have all the great intentions and I can have all the great intentions in the world, but apart from him, I can do nothing. Zero. That's pretty strong, isn't it? But we're not used to relying on Jesus for things like that. We're not used to relying on Jesus to that depth. In fact, if we're honest, you don't like relying on anyone like that. I don't like relying on anyone like that. That might mean we're not in control. That might mean we're not sure how it's going to turn out. We're used to relying on ourselves, aren't we? My understanding. I want to rely on my strength. I want to rely on my resolve, my discipline, my self-effort. Me, me, me. I can do this. God, thanks for saving me, but I've got it from here. And when I get to heaven, then it's going to be awesome. And God says, no, I need you to understand you need me now. Every day. Every moment of the day. You can't do this. You're fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself if you think you can do it apart from me. It just doesn't work that way. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. You know, we are the most prosperous nation, not just in the world, in the history of the world. You realize that, right? We are the most prosperous nation in the history of the world. And because of that, very few of us have needs. And because you and I don't have needs every day, we don't have to look to God for our daily bread. We don't have to look to God. So, hey, without you today, I'm not going to eat or my kids are not going to eat or we're not going to be able to get to work. We don't have those problems. And because we're not used to calling on God for our very simple needs, we're really out of practice for calling on God for the things we desperately need. Things we all need. Things you need and things I need. The things that drive you and the things that drive me. The things that drive your behavior and drive my behavior. That I need to look to God and you need to look to God for things like this. Love. Acceptance. Forgiveness. Hope. Joy. 
help with our relationships, peace in our heart. And I can tell you this, if we begin to practice this idea of remaining in Christ, we will experience those things. Because staying connected to Jesus will turn your frustrations into fruitfulness. I tell my kids all the time not to lean back in their chair. I was looking over this sermon, and I watched my son do it. I said, son, chair. He gave me, rolled his eyes, and he put it back. And I felt my, my level go, no, 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 he's the vine, I'm the branch, okay, yeah, sure. Wasn't 10 seconds later. I look over. He didn't even know he was doing it, bless his heart. Son, the chair. Rolls his eyes. Lord Jesus, help me. Right? See, that's the moment. That's the moment we need him. See that? Everything in me wanted to tell him, dummy, I just told you. God said, no, 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 no. Practice what you preach. Son, put the chair down. Please. See, this goes way beyond going to church or being saved, doesn't it? This goes way beyond that. We're talking about a lifestyle thing here. We're talking about making Jesus a part of your everyday rhythm, your everyday routine, inviting him into your work, inviting him into your school, inviting him into your relationships, inviting him into your financial problems, inviting him into your attitudes, inviting him into every single part of your life that you're struggling with. Let's be honest, that's pretty much everything. Unless your team won last night. Even that was a struggle. (laughs) I know. So I've got a video I want to show you. It kind of demonstrates what I mean by a lifestyle. You guys have seen on the cars everywhere it says the salt life. Salt life. You guys know what we're talking about with the salt life, right? Well, that means something. I found this video online. I want to show you what it means to the people that uh, that are representing salt life. Go ahead. I like to tell people that the salt life is not just a sticker on my car, it's pretty much a lifestyle. It's beach, it's swimming, it's fishing, it's diving, it's surfing, paddleboarding, living your lifestyle on the beach and in the salt water. We are very involved in every activity that is based around the ocean. My whole family surfs, my kids fish, dive, teach yoga at the beach, all that kind of stuff. Out in the water four or five times a week, sometimes even more. As much as I can be out there, I am. We have to have it. We have to have it. We got to be out the beach every day. We live at the beach. We go watch sunset. You know, we're down there before sun up. I mean, it's I don't know. It's kind of like a vitamin. Taking my love for the ocean and being able to share it with everyone else in the same passion. Inshore, offshore, it doesn't matter. As long as I'm on the boat with the rod in my hand, catching a fish, that's all I care about. Enjoying the ocean, using everything it gives you, surfing, diving, fishing, you always have to respect it, only take what you need. 
just hanging out in the water, on the water, by the beach, uh, any activities. It's just being by the ocean. It's just a really good life. I really enjoy living the salt life. It's been an honor to be a part of the Salt Life team because everyone gets to express their relationship with the ocean, but in different ways. Like we have surfers, divers, people who fish, everything, and they're able to express their relationship, and yet we all still share the same passion. All right, now, I know I just lost some of you. Because you just closed your eyes and you felt the breeze from the ocean coming over your your hair. You heard the roar of the waves. You you felt you imagined that fishing pole in your hand. I know you drifted there, so I'm just saying, come back, come back to us. We're still here. Did you hear what they said? It's not a sticker on my car. It's so much more than that. It's a lifestyle. This salt life. Oh man, it's so, I'm so passionate about it. I love it so much. It's something I want to share with others. It, I have to have it. Do you hear that? I have to have it. They said this, um, as long as I have it, it's all I care about. Let me ask you something. What if Jesus was that to us? What if living this vine life meant that much to us? What if we said, as long as I have Him, I have everything. As long as I'm connected to Him, come what may, life is good. I'm passionate about this. It's all I need. It's my lifestyle. Jesus is my everything. Staying connected to Him means more than anything to me. That is what Jesus wants for you and you and you and you and me. And He has provided everything for it. He's offering it to us. He's placed His Holy Spirit in us if we've accepted Christ. And all we have to do is tap into Him each moment of the day. He wants us to have it. In fact, He wants us to have this abundant, fruitful life. Look at Him before we skip down to verse 8. If you abide in Him, if you remain in Him, if you make Jesus a lifestyle, look what He says, verse 8. This is to my Father's glory. That you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Man, that's what God wants from each, for each one of us. He doesn't want something from you or to take something from you. He wants something for you. He wants you to experience the abundant life that he's offering. A fruitful life. He doesn't want you and I to experience the frustration of no fruit or very little fruit. He, he doesn't want us to settle for those kind of lifestyles that if we're honest, we're, it's, it's mostly frustrating. He wants so much more for us than that. All the power that he possesses can be demonstrated in your life and in my life if only we stay connected to him. If we just stay connected to him. Well, how do we do that? It's a conscious choice. It, it's a conscious choice on our part. It's an internal dialogue that we're just going to decide, look, I'm not going to go through this day without him. I'm going to make the conscious choice to have this eternal dialogue going on in my head. You're praying in your mind. You're listening to the Spirit as you're doing it. And you're following obediently the steps that he gives you when he reminds you, no, love them, no, forgive them, no, be kind to them, no, swallow your pride, hold your tongue. Do these things because it brings me glory and you bear much fruit.
That's what it looks like. It's this eternal internal dialogue that causes outward actions to be different. That our words to be different. Our attitudes to be different. That is what he's talking about when he says, You'll bear much fruit and it'll bring me much glory. Look, I can tell you this. Staying connected to Jesus... I don't care what you're going through. I don't care where you are in your walk with Christ. I don't care what your, what, what your past has been. Staying connected to Jesus will turn your frustrations into fruitfulness. He says, I'm the vine. He's telling you, he's telling me that he can be trusted. I'm the vine. I got you. I'm everything you need. I'm the vine. He's saying, listen, you can rely on me. You can, you can, you can take it to the bank. I'm the source for everything your soul needs. I'm the source for everything you need. Just trust me in this. I'm the vine. You are the branches. And look, I know this is not natural for us. It's not natural. We've been conditioned to rely and trust in one person and that's ourselves. That's what this world teaches us. We have been conditioned to rely on ourselves. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 you need to trust me. That's why if we want the life he's promised, the life that we intended to live when we said yes to him, the life that he wants every one of us to live, not where we look good on the outside and we're dying on the inside, we can have that life if we simply stay connected to him. And you know what the problem is? We forget. We get busy. You and I get distracted. Life gets in the way. Work gets busy. School gets busy. Things get hairy. And we just keep going. And we have to stop and remember Him. So here's here's my one application for today. I want you guys to take the seven-day challenge. What are you talking about? I started it four days ago. And I don't know if you can read that, but that's my reminder that just popped up at 11 o'clock. It says, Jesus is the vine. And I've got my phone program for every hour on the hour. To remind me that I'm not a vine, but Jesus is the vine. I'm just a branch. I need to stay connected to him. So if you want to do this with me, go ahead and pull out your device. It takes a while. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be foolish enough to think you're going to program every, every hour in, but as many times as you want during the day, you just do for seven days, do a repeating event for seven days. Mine's at eight o'clock, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. 11 o'clock, okay? And you punch in these repeating events for seven days to remind you Jesus is near, to remind you that he's more than enough, to remind you that he's the source for the abundant life. Guys, I don't want, I don't want this for anyone. No one should live in frustration as a follower of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Remain in me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I believe what you said is true. God, I believe it because not only have I experienced it, but everything you say is true. And God, if you say, if I can just trust in you, God, if I can just learn to rely on you, that you will meet every one of my needs, that you can give me life and joy, you can change my attitude, you can change my actions. And God, so this morning, all around the room, we want to do business with you. We want to say, God, I'm tired of living this life on my terms and in my strength. Tell them that. And I'm ready to give you a try. I want you to be my vine, because I'm the branch.
I want to bear fruit by staying close to you. So God, teach me how to stay near. Teach me how to remain and abide in you. God, help me to follow through and be reminded throughout my day to call on your name, not only when I need you, but even when I don't need you, just to remember that you are who you are and I am who I am in Christ. God, thank you. You didn't leave us on our own until we got to you in heaven one day. No. You don't want anyone in here living in frustration. There should be nobody in here living a lifestyle of shame and guilt and condemnation because in Jesus Christ, you've delivered us from those things. You've given us the power through your spirit to live an abundant, fruitful life. So God, all around the room, if we'll just say yes to that, Jesus, I want that life. I want to abide in you right now. I want to experience your joy, your contentment, your peace, your love, your forgiveness. Most of all, I just want you, your life's great prize. And I don't want to miss out on you till I get there. God, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.